Welcome to episode 83 of Stage Worthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stage Worthy features conversations in Canadian theatre with artists of all stripes, from actor to director to playwright and more. If you want to drop me a line, I would love to hear from you. You can find Stage Worthy on Facebook and Twitter at Stage Worthy Pod, and you can find the website at stageworthypodcast.com. This week, my guest is actor and educator Janelle Hanna. Janelle's first full-length solo show, Bad Baby Presents Rules Control the Fun, premieres at the 2017 edition of the Toronto Fringe Festival. It does have a name. It's called Bad Baby Presents Rules Control the Fun. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's my clown character. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's an actor, and she's um, waited for years to get into the Toronto Fringe, and she finally got in. So she's seen a lot of Fringe shows. She mm-hmm. knows all the things you're supposed to do, mm-hmm. and it's her first time okay. doing her show. <laughs> um. So you didn't, you didn't, did you have any concept of what you would do when you applied for the fringe? Yes. So I had two big ideas. This was one of them, Mm -hmm. um, which the concept of kind of what I'm doing, I tested out at York Mm -hmm. when I was doing my MFA. Um, So while that was like a 15 minute version, Mm -hmm. um, I did like, I've tried this concept before and I'm interested in trying it again. And it is a bit of an experiment. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the other idea I still have in my back pocket, but it was a completely, it's not a solo show. Mm -hmm. It's, um, uh, ideally what I really want to do is, um, a modern, uh, contemporary script with different actors Mm -hmm. that, um, switch in and out. Okay. Or tap in and out, mm. or right at the beginning of the show, we draw to see who's going to do which scenes, okay. and it's more about <coughs> seeing actors work. Mm. Okay. Um, so I had those two mm. ideas, mm. but um, I kind of just felt like I think my second idea, which I am, I would still really like to do uh, if I find the right script for it, um, is. Uh, it's just I felt like I'm like if I have to do my solo show now. Right. Like, right. is your solo show something that, that you've wanted to do for a long time? Yeah, yeah. I've done, I guess, like two other solo shows um, mm. that other people have written. Mm-hmm. Um, Could I ask which ones? Yeah, of course. Um, so the first time in Fringe, I did a show called Virginia Aldridge mm-hmm. uh, BSC, which Elise Newman wrote. Um, and that was, I guess, 2011. And then the second one I did was a couple years ago called Commencement, okay. which is an American writer mm-hmm. who um, uh, wrote a show about uh, a school shooting from okay. three different people's uh, points of view mm-hmm. that were connected to it. So this is the first time I'm doing a solo show with my own work. Is there something about performing solo that, that has attracted you for a while? Um... <clears throat> Yes, I mean, um, in terms of, I think in terms of me as a writer, I definitely think more in a character-driven kind of way, so it's just a good vehicle for me in terms of a writer, and mm-hmm. I guess it's also, um, I mean, I, I this character, the times I have had her out and about, it's mm-hmm. gotten really great feedback, mm-hmm. and so I kind of started 
to be like, I, I need to expand this and I need to build off something that was really exciting at York that I initially way back when was like, Oh, that's just going to stay at York. I did what I need to do. Yeah. But then as I thought about the concept a bit more, I was like, I need to, I need to try this out. And I think solo work for me is the only kind of opportunity I can mm. try this concept out. For me, like for for me as a yeah. writer, yeah. writing for solo is like there's no safety net because yeah. you can't have another character come in to say a thing. You've got to find a way for like there's no dialogue yeah. to get stuff across. There's like person yeah. speaking. Yeah. So it's like a huge challenge to like make it work on paper mm-hmm. and yeah. have somebody make it work on the stage. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um. Well, let, let's let's back up before yeah. we before we go into uh, too much more about about fringe. Yeah. Um, for you, when was when did you start uh, being interested in theater? From an early age, I think. Um, I mean, theater, theater, really in high school. Okay. Uh, I did a lot of musical theater in high school. We had the musical theater like class, mm-hmm. uh, which was a double credit, so that was fun because half your day was just putting on musicals. I think that's when I really started digging in Mm -hmm. and thinking about doing it more. Um, And then it really, honestly, it just kind of, I auditioned for theater programs, Mm -hmm. but I also was interested in teaching, so I kind of split my university Mm -hmm. applications, and I kind of just said whatever happens Mm -hmm. is supposed to happen, and... um, to the delight of my parents, I uh, didn't go to, you know, concurrent ed, and I went into a theater program, so um, that's when I, I think, I think I took that as a sign, as I was like, you know, if I'm going to audition for a program, Mm -hmm. and there's 400, 500 people auditioning, and I'm one of 20 or whatever, then maybe I have something I need to pursue further. When you say to the delight of my parents, yeah, are you yeah. saying that sarcastically or are you saying Com- that completely, like, seriously? No, like, no, they're not delight. Okay. Well, they weren't, you know what, they've come around as much mm-hmm. as they're ever going to come around. Um, but no, I'm not from, like, an artist family at all. Like, my dad owned his own construction company. My mom was a lab tech. So they would have preferred you to be a teacher? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my sister's a teacher. Um, my grandma was a teacher, and it's just like they kind of just mm-hmm. always expect me. To, and I am a teacher now, yeah. but teaching acting. So Was that an awkward conversation to have with them? Like, did you tell yeah. them that you were applying to two different programs, or did you like, just well, like, do it yeah. and not sort of mention it? So they knew. I applied to five programs. Two were straight theater. Mm-hmm. two were I think concurrent ed and one was like a drama and education kind of in the middle okay. and when I got into Queen's concurrent ed they were like oh sweet bingo bango done and I was like no I'm gonna wait and see what happens elsewhere right. and I think um and it wasn't it was a pretty big fight if I'm gonna be honest it wasn't mm-hmm. much of a conversation uh they just really didn't understand how I could um you know be throwing such an opportunity away is what they felt. Was this the first time that they had been faced with the fact that you wanted to do this for their, for your, like your life's work? I, well, I think I did a, I did a really big 180. Like I was the first year that was supposed to be, um, the double cohort. Okay. And so I decided to stay around for a fifth year. Mm-hmm. Had I just graduated in four years, mm-hmm. I would have been a chemistry teacher. Right. Like I did sciences 
as well and really like that and then I think a big change happened for me between fourth and what I call fifth year high school and um, I just and I don't know if they caught up with that change um, really and so I think they just you know I'm, I'm from a very small town like it's it's just um, being an actor is really out there for them still kind of is if I'm being honest when, well, can we talk a little bit about that big change? Like, what yeah. was it that, that happened that made you, like, change from, I'm going to be a chemistry teacher to, yeah. I'm going to do theater? I think it was just theater was the most fun thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Just complete joy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't feel like work. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to go to a university. I wanted to get a degree. I knew that. But I wanted mm-hmm. to go for something that just felt so fun. Right. And, um, and that was, like, theater for me and performing and... Um, the process of putting together shows and and uh, that's what I loved and where I just felt it's it's it was just like the perfect combination of um, like feeling really at ease but completely exhilarated mm. and terrified all at the same time and I mm. adored that feeling. Did you? Uh, I mean, you 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 know, you got into one program and then did you get into York or was there other programs that you got into and you chose to go to York, which was the uh... yeah. So. My undergrad, uh, I auditioned for York, and uh, U of T Sheridan, their joint program, and I decided to go to U of T Sheridan. Um, uh, uh, Yeah, so that was for my undergrad, but then um, a couple years ago, I wanted to go get a master's Mm -hmm. degree, and my original um, idea, I just hadn't, I didn't think I was getting in New York for their program. I just, I'm like, I'm too young, Um, they're not going to take me, so in the back of my mind, I really considered going to the states mm-hmm. um and then york ended up working out and is there a reason when you thought they were going to take you mostly because they really at the time and they presented as something as a mature actor like someone who has a career already um mm-hmm. and i was 25 at the time mm-hmm. and i just was like I was, I guess, three years out of undergrad, maybe four, and uh, I was just like, there's no way they're going to take me. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I don't have enough experience, Um, and uh, and York really wants people that they can ultimately work with, Mm -hmm. outside of everything else. They work with you in that audition, and they they want, you know, they want to see people that they can help as well, and that they are um, kind of their style of working with, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I just... I don't know, I just didn't think, I thought I was too young. Yeah. Which I'm realizing is many things in my life I tell myself I'm too young for. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Teaching like, as well. That's okay. been a big, like... You're too young to teach? Is that the... Well, sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, and I've got started, started to get over it a little bit, but it's difficult when, um, you know, I, you feel like you're up against people who have so much more experience than you uh, teaching or directing or acting. And um, despite the fact that I love teaching and... Um, you know, I think I'm pretty good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, it is something that, you know, I have told myself too many times. I think it just holds me back. So I'm getting mm-hmm. over it. But talking to you right now, I just realized you know, that that's the thing I tell myself. It's amazing that the, the, we all have these narratives that do hold us back. Yeah. And, and it's, it's the, I think the, the important thing is to, to identify that you have that. Yeah. Because uh, if you've never identified it, you can never, like, manage to fight it. Yeah. Um, 
But you got into the York program, and that was yeah. the that was the MFA course. Yeah, yeah. Master of Fine Arts, or as I like to refer to it, the motherfucking artist. Yeah, or yeah. Uh, Master of Fuck All. But I oh, like mother. I like motherfucking see, artist I think, way I better. Think motherfucking artist is better than Master of it's Fuck All. It's so much better. It's yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Like just stick with that. It, yeah, like has a more positive. Uh, thing. How long is that? Is the is that program the MFA? Yeah, it's two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and talking about this concept of the solo show, at the end of your first year, you kind of decide what your thesis thesis focus is going to be, and then you spend that summer researching um, in studio and you know all the kind of you know stereotypical thesis research you do in in libraries and such. Mm-hmm. But then at the end of that summer the first day back you do this 15 to 20 minute showing of your research oh, first, which, day back. first day back so you spend the whole summer researching uh-huh. hopefully and uh and then first day back before you start anything and and generally it's an open um kind of presentation some some classes decide to do it just them mm-hmm. uh we made it open to anyone mm-hmm. um and you show 15 to 20 minutes and it's your research so it doesn't have to necessarily be polished right. um there ended up being quite a lot of polish on ours, but um, so that's where I started with this concept okay. um, with my clown character. Mm. Um, what was yeah. your thesis, if I could ask? Yeah, of course. My thesis was about um, embracing vulnerability mm-hmm. in performance. Mm. Um, it's you know you spend the first year, you know they they really like they tear you apart. They like you know you're you're throwing all this different kind mm-hmm. of stuff, and you see what what uh what areas you shy away from i guess and i realized i was hiding a lot when it came to being authentically Mm. vulnerable Mm. and so that was what i decided my thesis focus was going to be so how do you research that i know right well it's it's interesting a lot of my research wasn't what i would call like theater research so coming across people like Brene brown um, and Elizabeth Gilbert and things like yeah. that. Brene Brown is awesome. She has a book called Daring Greatly, mm-hmm. which is about vulnerability, um, which kind of became a big part of my thesis and a big part of um, the research I did. Um, so she is a social uh, kind of psychology, social science mm-hmm. researcher. And so she's done a lot of um qualitative yes qualitative there we go qualitative (laughs) research so i used a lot of that and Mm. um or like things like artist way like things you wouldn't think is research Mm. uh for a thesis so that's kind of where i started which which of the elizabeth uh uh gilbert yeah elizabeth gilbert books were you looking at were you looking at big magic or were you looking at I think I don't know if Big Magic was. I just read Big Magic actually. Yeah. I don't know if that was written at that mm. time, yeah. but um, even like Eat, Pray, Love okay. was a bit like of a of a just stepping into it. Like that's a you know she's writing about a time where she was just she jumped right into mm-hmm. being in a really vulnerable yeah. position. Um, so there was that kind of research, and then there's like just getting in studio yeah. and putting on a clown nose what, and playing I mean, and seeing what happens. Have you done clown before? Yeah, a little bit, mm-hmm. um, a little bit in undergrad, um, but I kind of um, started playing around with it again during my masters. Had you found that the, the clown that you had when you were doing it in your undergrad mm-hmm. and when you did it during your masters had changed much, or was it a little bit? Yeah, yep, a little bit. Uh, I would say it still comes from the same place it did, but she's older. Okay. Um, 
And uh, whenever I did clown in my undergrad or that character I created, it was always with someone else. So it was uh, like a partnership. Right. So um, she's, even since t- the time at York, she's changed a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But uh, that same, like that clown I discovered way back when is still there, but it's, she's changed a bit. What's it like when, you've, when you're used to doing like clown with somebody? Yeah. What's it like alone yeah. in front of an audience? What does that feel like? I think the great thing about clown is I never feel like I'm alone, you know, because you have such a connection with the audience, or you should, I think, throughout the whole time you're in character. And and I think I feel this way about mask work in general, too. It can be so freeing and just the things that, the discoveries you make and, and the things you can create when you're in a mask, I just... I don't know, it's, um, what was I even saying? <laughs> um, okay, difference between, yeah, I think I never feel alone, even mm-hmm. though I'm in solo work. Yeah. And a lot of, uh, to do with my friend show and how I approach with this character is a lot of it's from the audience, mm-hmm. too. I'm working with the audience a lot. Yeah. There's a, I wouldn't say it's, like, totally audience participation, but they're definitely a big part of it, too. There's, like... I know when I did my solo show last year, yeah. um, I hadn't really thought until Richard Bone, yeah, who we know, said Richard. your yeah. your audience is going to be your scene partner. Yeah. And I was like, I'm going to have to do this. I'm looking people. He was like, Yeah, yeah, you are because because the they're the scene partner. Yeah. And and I really think that that's such an important part of a solo performance is to connect with the audience, clown or not. Is, yep. that, is that you have to do that? Clown just Very adds true. a certain aspect of openness mm-hmm. that might not be there without that nose yeah but I think that there's something very similar about both aspects of that it's very true how is that experience for you having to like was it something had you done this character before or was this the first this time this was the like I'd never performed that show before okay um and so it was like the first day I was gonna, I felt like I was going to vomit. Like, yeah. the whole day. Like, the first day you had to do it, or first rehearsal? First day I had to do it. Well, first rehearsal, like, maybe a little bit vomit yeah, yeah, yeah. as well. <laughs> but, like, not so much as, like, having to perform it. Like, right. first day performing it um, just just was not the best. Like, it was a good day, but it was, like, really sort of... It's like, tough. Yeah, it was tough. Yeah. And, truth be told, I that first time, I could not look at the audience. I yep. cheated. Yeah. I looked between them. Yeah. I looked between them and faked it. Mm-hmm. The second show. Yeah. Is when I I was I'd gotten past. I'd like oh wait I did it and I didn't die. Yeah. It was the second show where I was like talking to the audience, making eye contact with people I could see. Yeah. And like reacting to what they did. Yeah. Um, and it was so freeing. Yeah. To do that in a way that I hadn't considered that mm-hmm. it would be that it would be like. Their interaction with me didn't interrupt the show. It added to it. It yeah. sort of built on it. So it was, yeah. it was really, really an amazing kind of experience. It's it's funny because we're so terrified of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then, like you said, it is so freeing. But it's like this little part of your brain that keeps you from really yeah. allowing them to be there. Whether you're in clown or, or just a regular show, I think it's really... It's difficult yeah. to really take them in. And sometimes before shows, not all shows, I take a moment and I 
just like before I even go out there, I have to allow myself to be seen, mm-hmm. right? That was a big yeah. part of my thesis, like just allowing people to see me. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's tough with a solo show too because they're not looking at anybody else. Nope. It's just you. Yep. So, and there's no one else to balance the energies. And uh, so it, it's tough. Yeah, it's funny because the first time that, that Richard said, you know, you're going to be like making eye contact with the audience and talk, they're your scene partner. Yeah. I picked, there was like this voice in my head that just started screaming at that point, And all it would do is just like, oh, like scream about that, the idea of like looking at the audience. Yeah. How often have we been taught and we're comfortable in theater yeah. of that 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 wall, that fourth wall, yeah. and not breaking the fourth wall and all yeah. this stuff, and then you do a solo show and it's gone. Yeah, and it's so powerful, though, I mm-hmm. think, for an audience, too, right? Yeah. Um, because I think the thing about vulnerability is we love seeing it in other people. We're terrified of it in with ourselves. Well, because when we see it in other people, it doesn't challenge us at all. Right, yeah. It's like, oh, that guy's being really vulnerable right now. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, yeah. It's like, not me. Well, because your body's fighting it, right? Oh, yeah, Physically, like, Physiologically, yeah. it is, you know, it's sweating, it's shaking, it's literally physically doing things to get you out of that moment. Yeah. Um, and the job of the actor sometimes is to just be able to stay in it. Yeah. You know? Um, Well, because when we're vulnerable, when we're not, when we're showing our true selves, which is a thing that we, you know, many of us learn how not to do. You walking down the street, not showing your true face, your face is closed. You are putting on the persona of I am a person in this world. Yeah. You know, and don't notice me. Yeah. To when you need something like to open up and have people like notice you and see everything about you. Mm -hmm. That is. Alien. Yeah. Very difficult to, to come to terms with. Yeah. Well, and also, too, we live in a world where, like, a lot of things are edited and mm. curated. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're not walking around being like, here's my stuff. No. <laughs> yeah, like, no. Yeah. I try to sort of, like, uh, do a little bit more uh, here's my stuff in terms of my creative stuff just by, like... Yeah. Um, Austin Kleon wrote a book called After uh, Steal Like an Artist. He wrote a book called Show Your Work, where he talks okay. about um, like even the stuff that's in progress. It might not be finished, but share it. Yeah. As a means to building an audience, but also bring people in. Yeah. Because I know that I love when I can look behind the curtain of an artist that I love, like a, a writer that I love or a performer that I love. If I can see how they work, if I can get a window into that. Yeah. I love that. So yeah. I'm all about trying to share more yeah. of that. Yeah. Even though some of the stuff I might be sharing is kind of garbage. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. It's early. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to, I mean, that's interesting to build audience. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think, I guess in a way too, it lets people, um, I heard you talking about it on another podcast cause mm-hmm. I listened to some of them, um, about showing like rehearsal work and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Yeah. And it's always something I struggle with yeah. when it comes to the build the audience part, mm-hmm. because, um, like you said, sometimes it just looks like garbage, yeah. like, and, uh, yeah. and you really are seeing like the magician behind the, or the wizard behind the, yeah. the curtain. But it's always interesting to remember, like those of us who do this forget that there's people who don't know that's what true happens behind the curtain like, yeah you don't know what happens in the rehearsal hall yeah and it's very true it's like for them it, I mean, for us it's like 
no, this is where we're like fucking up. And yeah, yeah, messy and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine how much that people who don't know yeah. that in that room it's messy and things fuck up and all that stuff. That like for them, that's like magic. It's like the magician showing yeah. how the trick is done it's, in a good way. It's you're you're very true. You're very right in that. I think also. It reminds me of when actors, when something goes wrong on stage. Mm. Audiences love that. They love it. They or love like it. they love it when like they love it when the actor does something about it. Right. When like, they when they don't just ignore it. Yeah. Because it, it's like, oh you're human. You're yeah. not you're not magicians. You're, you're seeing like this thing that I'm seeing like yeah. I heard just yesterday somebody told me a story about this production of uh, the importance of being earnest that they saw and there's some business with a muffin and the guy was supposed to <laughs> take the paper off the muffin and put the whole thing in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he couldn't get the paper off. And so instead of, like, reacting to it, because the next thing he was supposed to do was put the thing in his mouth, yeah. he put the whole thing in his mouth, paper and all, and spent the next <laughs> the next little while, like, trying to go as though he didn't still have paper in his mouth, but still trying to chew, and then swallowed the paper. No. Like, and she said, no. she said that was, like, the best part of the the show but like there's so many stories where you hear about somebody's microphone falls off and yeah leave it there or their yeah. wig falls off and they just sort of like ignore the fact that the wig fell off yeah and sometimes like, oh, yeah. that is just I um I go back to and I hope I'm not ruining this for anyone but if you know the Mrs. Mrs. Brown mm-hmm. uh, uh they're from Ireland they came and did a theater show and it's actually on Netflix Mrs. Mm-hmm. Brown Boys or whatever it's called mm-hmm. on Netflix but they actually have a moment built into their show mm-hmm. where it looks like they screwed up mm-hmm. but it's rehearsed right. it's intentional the audience dies for of that moment they do. Yeah. and it's so interesting that they recognize that and then put it into the show as something regular and they just act like it's happening every time mm-hmm. when it's rehearsed yeah. it's part of the show but the audiences love cuz when something goes wrong and you react to it, it's an acknowledgement that we are all in this room together. This is happening yeah. right here, and this will never happen again. Yeah. And audiences, like, when that stuff happens, yeah. you will never see an audience more forward on their seat exactly. to see what's happening. Yeah. It's exciting. Such an immediacy, yeah. which I think maybe that's one of the reasons, you know, I enjoy clown so much mm-hmm. is because it is you are right there you you mm-hmm. can't let you know things go by and not notice them yeah, like exactly. it's part of it it's yeah. more problems are are you know just increase everything in mm-hmm. clown so um yeah i like that immediacy and and it's tough for me to talk about the concept of the show without you know giving it away well, but i, I the, want, yeah yeah and i'm not going to yeah. uh but that feeling of immediacy is something I'm really playing with, um, and uh, and I'm excited for a fringe audience mm-hmm. to see what they how they react to it. I so suppose. You're, what, I don't know if you mentioned your clown's name. Bad baby. Bad yeah. Baby, bad baby. Yeah. Clown's name. Yep. Yeah. Um, in terms of uh, bad baby on stage, what yeah. like who is bad baby mm-hmm. on stage? Um, well. She thinks she's a really good actor. She just hasn't been given opportunities. So she has a love for theater. She's seen a lot of theater and a lot of fringe shows. And like I said, she knows like everything you're supposed to do in a fringe show because there are rules, mm-hmm. and she knows them all, um, or she thinks she does. Mm-hmm. Um, 
she uh, she's kind of um, the girl at the dance who never got asked to dance, but still goes to every dance. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, and stands and watches. She's definitely an observer. And uh, this is her first time stepping into the mm. into the light, and and so it's her process of putting this show together and and all these things she's wanted to say for so long and finally has gotten an opportunity Mm. so i mean you you did some clown a little bit of clown in your undergrad yeah 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 and then you did a little bit more in your uh when you were doing your your uh motherfucking artist yeah 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 um What was it about this clown in particular that made you want to explore it more and like build a show around it? Yeah, it's a good question. I think um, I hate to go back to like stuff we've already talked about, but um, again, I mean, if I'm being selfish, for me as a performer, it feels like I uh, I don't have a filter with her. she she's kind of the absurdist like voice that I wish I guess Janelle had more um, confidence to show to the world a lot of the time um, so you know she gets to say things that I I'm kind of dying to say mm-hmm. um, in terms of I think what she can bring for other people because it's not just about me um, she's just really likable she mm-hmm. you know we all I think she has a quality that you can really connect with the underdog the um um you know the person who never gets picked for the team we all i think we all walk around in some version of our life and Mm -hmm. feel like that um so um yeah was there something about uh clowning in general that (laughs) attracted you um yeah i feel like and I talk about this with my director a lot, like why can you, you know, we talk about why can't you say these things in a different character, why does it have to be a clown character? Yeah. And I think um, um, because it is that immediacy with the audience that you get mm-hmm. um, that I, that also for me as a performer, you know, we talked about hiding a little bit. I can't hide Mm-hmm. in a clown yeah. character you can't yeah. which is interesting because you are wearing a mask like it's a small form of a mask it and I think it is the smallest mask yeah it yeah yeah the one that for some reason makes everybody feel the most vulnerable yeah because somehow when you put this thing on mm-hmm. even if you haven't found your clown character yet it's like you are the most pure you mm-hmm. than you are without it yeah and in a weird way it's like I can't hide with her mm-hmm. and yet there's such I feel such a comfort with her mm. that it is almost um, I get to spend the majority of the show in my comfort zone mm. okay. in, until I rid myself of that. Mm. Um, dun dun dun. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I can't remember your no, question. Neither can I. The, <laughs> we have a conversation. Um, now, as you've been putting this this show together, yeah. Um, You've done other fringes before. You've yeah. Other, you've done. Yeah. Uh, you've produced yeah. for a fringe before. Yeah. Um, are there things that you know that, that you wish you? I mean, obviously, this is going to be like a stupid. Yeah, of course, there are a question. Yeah. Um, things that you uh, know now as a producer of fringe shows that you wish you'd known the first time you were doing a fringe show. Interesting. Yeah. As I, yeah, I 
not producing, but I think this is my fifth time doing Toronto Fringe. Mm-hmm. We were figuring it out this week with my team. I think across the board in terms of fringes everywhere, we've all done 14. Mm-hmm. So in the early days, it's funny because I think I was ignorant about how a lot of it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, I think in some ways that worked to, to our favor, mm-hmm. <laughs> if that makes any sense at all. Is there something I wish I knew now? I think um, I think you have to really think about how you can connect to your audience mm-hmm. and how outside of a purely like we need bums and seats kind of way, mm-hmm. you want to think about how are you connecting to this fringe audience? Mm-hmm. What is it about your show that they are going to be able to get on board about? Yeah. And that is super important in a, yeah. in a fringe show. Yeah. Like, because there is a lot for people to choose from. Yeah. So what is it about your show that people should, like, what is it that makes your show unique? Yeah. Somebody should come and see. Yeah. And I think, and I, because I know you have experience with fringes outside of Toronto, mm-hmm. which I would, you know, love to ask you about too, because I don't. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons, I want, um, you know, I'm hoping this show in the future, I can tour it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I hear a lot about how Toronto Fringe is per- maybe a bit different than than mm-hmm. other fringes yeah. in the country, not always in the best way. Mm-hmm. I think, um, so going back to your question about what I kind of know now, I I know, I know it can be a bit uh, heavily focused on ratings and stars and, and popularity. And I really, especially with this show, I'm really trying to fight feeding into that. So um, I think maybe when I was younger, I felt like I was chasing that a little t- too much in right. terms of the work I was producing or helping produce or in. Yeah. And now I really am because I think Fringe at its core is supposed to be an experiment. It is. It's a right. Yeah. It's a safe place to try things. That's what it should be. Yeah. And I feel like Toronto Fringe a lot of the time we forget that, and there's so many other things. Toronto Fringe has a tendency to focus on the first off on the local stuff, right? Um, yeah. But also on what will be the next. Kim's convenience, or the next the kink in her hair, the next uh, uh, um, my my mother's Jewish Wiccan lesbian wedding. Yeah. Um, what will be the next big thing? Yeah. And so that's what Toronto Fringe seems to be looking for, and so I think because of that, mm-hmm. there's a perceive there's less. Maybe it's still there, but I feel like people feel like they can't experiment quite as much. Right. Like, French. you kind of have to have a polished... It's got to be polished. Ready to go. Yeah. yeah. Less experimentation, yeah. I think. Which is unfortunate. Which yeah. Which is unfortunate. But um, it is it is what it is. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I love Fringe. Me too. I and love Fringe. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that, that Toronto Fringe could be better. Mm-hmm. Not just like... Because I think the shows that happen are better. I think that Toronto Fringe, as an entity, yeah. can be better. Yeah. But I I love Fringe. Me too. And it's like yeah. my Christmas. There's two yeah. Yeah. Two, <laughs> two things in the year I really look forward to. Toronto Fringe and Oud Blanche. These are the two things yeah. that my calendar kind of revolves around. Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of thing that I'm, I'm looking for. The funny thing is that the star... I mean, everybody who doesn't get... Five or four stars hates the star rating system, and everybody who gets those stars. Yeah. I don't know if they love it, but it's like 
like it's the easiest way to say on your on your poster. Yeah. This show got a good review. Yeah. Um, but and it's it, messy. It is messy. It's it's very messy, and yet you know it is a way to draw people in, yeah, right? Exactly. And it's a quick way. Um, you know, this opens up a bigger conversation about you know theater criticism and all that kind Absolutely. of stuff, right? Let's, let's go but um, well, because how do you you know how do you uh, break down a show into a star, well, that, <laughs> you know, I mean, and to wrap question, up right? in, an entire show and what it's trying to do and its message and et cetera, et cetera, into a star. Star ratings have become sort of a thing generally. They, people expect to see that for movies. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so because we expect to see it for movies, we expect to see it for other forms of entertainment mm-hmm. like theater. Yeah. Um, how do you do it? It's, it's subjective. Yeah. And that's why yep. a five-star show in Toronto might mm-hmm. get two stars in Winnipeg. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, because it's completely subjective. Yeah. But it's like when you have the opportunity to build an audience without benefit of those stars, because that first weekend, mm-hmm. before most of the reviews come out... Yeah. Everything is a blank slate. So it's you true. Have like, yeah. Technically, you've got, I don't know if it starts on Wednesday or Thursday, probably Thursday. You've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four days mm-hmm. to try to get people, get those bums in seats, get buzz around your show yeah. without the star rating. Yeah. Yeah. How you do that yeah. is the question. Yeah. Do you guys, what are you guys thinking about for like, how do you guys make your splash? Do you know? Have you thought about that? We we definitely have. I mean, word of mouth and buzz is definitely something we've talked a lot about. And how do you encourage uh, people to get on board with your show? And um, I I think a big part of that for me is just the show itself and mm-hmm. some fun things we're doing around uh, our show as it relates to Fringe and and because it's. Uh, a character who is putting on a friend show for the first time uh, we hope I mean people will because like you said you love fringe I love fringe um, it does have this warm place in a lot of people's hearts and, and we hope that will actually um, uh, really help um, but uh, it, you know it's a, it's a different kind of strategy certainly from like media and publicity kind of mm-hmm. standpoint than when you produce on your own outside of a festival yeah. format and there's I think pros and cons to both yeah um, but yeah it's funny you say blank slate that first weekend is uh, is is a blank because, slate for everybody I mean, there yeah. are a few known entities like if Peter yeah. and Chris are in town or Sex T-Rex right. is doing a yeah. show then you know like those shows they have a fall yes Gem yeah. Bowles is in town you know those those guys are fine, but, mm-hmm. or they're they are a particular draw. But everybody else is like, well, yeah. Who knows? Well, and I think part of that is too is how you market your show, mm-hmm. what you put in that fringe program, because yeah. there's going to be certain people uh, who maybe go through that fringe program and are like, oh, I love clown. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of clown stuff. I'm going to that, or the opposite of that is also yes. true, right? Yeah. Um, which uh, which I get. Mm-hmm. Um, so I. It's it's tricky because and you know we're in the process right now of of you know explain this this show in a hundred words mm-hmm. it's like oh okay uh, which is yeah. tough you yeah, know and tough to explain what, uh, you know in a in a way that will grab people and, mm-hmm. and says what you want to say in only a hundred words and um, so 
the, yeah. the fringe program just generally yeah. is like one of those like it's a difficult thing to to write for like yes yeah. how do you encapsulate your show mm-hmm. in a hundred words yeah in a way that makes people number one want to come to sh- to the show but kind of know what they're getting in the show yes because people all, like people want to know like what are they getting yeah in the show just like movie trailers exist so that we get a sense of what we want yeah in the movie yeah so I think having some kind of hook mm-hmm. you know whether it's the style you write it in mm-hmm. um we're kind of leaning in a direction that it's written in a style that the show is also written in mm-hmm. um or whether it's just the topic of your show like mm-hmm. you know I think about that musical about like the first thing that comes to mind is that musical about marine land right like everyone yeah, loves yeah, Marie yeah. Land. Like yeah. it, whether it's the topic or what your show is about that hooks people, yeah. you have to find something. Yeah, and uh, and then you run with it and you hope it works. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's like the 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 French program also is like it's like how do you stand out? Not just with like you've got to choose the right imagery. Yes, you've got to choose. Like, are you going to advertise in the program? Yeah, that actually does help. I know. Yeah. That. I am more likely to see a show mm-hmm. that has an advertisement in the Fringe program than yeah. I am to see one that's not. I'm so glad I, we put one in. Because yeah. um, <laughs> we talk about this a lot. The thing is, because on the one hand, it's like, well, do we need it with the age of social mm-hmm. media? Like, But the thing is, with the program, you're going to hit people that you're not hitting on your social media right. in your networks. Yeah. So it is opening it up to people who won't be seeing your Facebook or your Instagram yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, and also, it just goes back to psychology. Like, the more we see something, mm-hmm. the more we like it. Like, yeah. advertising, you know? Yeah. Um, so the more you have your images out there and about, like, it, it just helps. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you are, we're recording this in uh, uh, the end of April. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was yeah. like... <laughs> no, no, because, I mean, I want to be clear. But, yeah. I mean, this is, people are going to be hearing this pretty much like right before Fringe. Right. So, yeah. um, at, at this time you said that you're like 80% finished the script. Yes. And uh, like, <laughs> what is the process of writing a clown show like this? Right. Like, is it a lot of like actual writing, or is it a lot of like improvisation and then transcribing? How 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 do you write this show? Yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of both. Mm-hmm. And the times most like if I'm gonna look at myself as a writer, most of my writing in my life has been for a character, has mm-hmm. been for my solo performance, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of let every process be what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. This one in particular. Um, as I said, I had the concept already, mm-hmm. um, so I had like you know the skeleton, mm-hmm. if you will, right? And then um, I had some of the meat from mm-hmm. uh, doing this character in, in uh, previously, and then I somehow because what I said at York is not the same thing I'm saying in mm-hmm. Fringe. I'm yeah. saying because I don't need to say what I of said course. at York, you know. Um, so then. It's like, okay, I have the concept, I have some of the bones and muscles, and now I have to, like, put in the veins and the blood vessels and all that kind of stuff. I don't know where I'm going with this analogy. But, um, and, like, the heart. Um, So it's, that's been tough. It hasn't been a linear process. Uh, A lot of notes, a lot of playing notes, and then trying to to come back to, you know, the keys. Um, 
but I, I just kind of let it be what it's going to be, mm. which I never, like a few years ago, I would have been very, no, I have to, you know, do it a certain way. And, I, yeah, you I, know. Think that's, I think that's the right way to, to approach it. Like, yeah, it yeah, can yeah. be a right way. Because yeah. each thing is different. Yeah. I remember hearing a story, you know, I'm a big fan of Neil Gaiman, the writer. Yeah. And um, he, he tells a story where he was, after he was like, he was writing American Gods and he had this epiphany and he was like, this is how, this is how this is done. And then he, he thought, this is how, this is how you write a novel. You do this. And he spoke to his, his agent, his, his publisher, and they were like, oh, Neil, you haven't figured out how to write a novel. You just figured out how to write this novel. Right. And it's like, you just have to figure out what is the process for each thing that you're writing. Yeah. And that can be difficult to know. Like there's trial and error that goes into that. For sure. And I'm sure there's, you know, Again, I'm pretty new to the whole writing um, thing, so I'm sure there's people who do have. Oh, I know what works for me, mm-hmm. and uh, and they do it every time. They're successful with mm-hmm. it. Maybe one day I'll get to that point too. But um, I kind of right now mm. it's more freeing yeah. to to let it be what it's going to be right now. I think that's super important because yeah. there's there's sort of like the, a voice in my head that says like if you have a like a process that works for you every time then maybe that, it might be stale. Yeah, yeah, else. yeah. Because that's always my thing. It's like, I don't necessarily want to repeat what I'm doing. I don't want to be stale. Yeah. So I want to find different ways of doing it. Yeah. Like, even if it's down to like, sometimes I have to choose the right pen or pencil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. notebook for something I'm writing. Like, yeah. This feels like a, this feels like a, like this notebook. It feels like a, a pencil. Not a mechanical pencil, but like and it's, an all-style pencil. Right. And it's funny because... At first, when you said that, I'm like, oh, is that like a like a superstition kind of thing? But no, it's like, you know, some kind of style of show requires like a laptop, yeah. whereas others are like post-it it notes. It really like, comes down to, oh, this, this show feels like, like, like lead pencil on this kind of paper. That's like, so interesting. It's so weird. Yeah. That it's just like very specific this show feels like this like I'm going to use this pen to write this yeah yeah and it might change as moments throughout the show change but yeah yeah um so do, do you know what venue you're in yet we do yeah we're in the annex oh that's um, a great space I love it I haven't worked in it but I've seen lots of shows there and it was our first choice so. I haven't worked in that venue in a very long time but yeah uh, I have always had a, a, a soft spot for that venue yeah I adore it yeah so, yeah um now that you know the venue, have you had yeah. to adjust any of the ways you're thinking about staging? A little bit. Because um, that stage is, is pretty yeah. unique. Yes, yeah, for sure. You've got this, so if people don't know, it's a staircase on either side, yeah. and you're kind of in a thrust, like, with three sections of, of audience. Yeah. Um, for the most part, it's opened up choices. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top of the show is a little tricky, mm-hmm. um, but it's still workable. But um, that's a, one of the things about Fringe that's kind of fun, too. I mean, you know, you don't know what space you're going to get, perhaps, when you're writing a show, and, and you make it yeah. work, right? Well, the other thing is, if you were to take that show on tour to other Fringes, yes. you then have to make adjustments as soon as you arrive to figure out, how is this show now going to work in this space? Yeah. Which is super exciting. Yeah. And terrifying. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Are there particular French festivals after Toronto that you would want to take it to? For like sure. If you had a list of fringes that you'd want to go to, are there, are there some that are on your list? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think Winnipeg and Edmonton are definitely on there. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I'd, 
also like to spend some time, <clears throat> excuse me, in those cities, mm. but Edmonton being like the first, I, you know, I think that's a dream. And I've had friends who love Victoria French. Mm. So like. I've heard mixed. Oh, really? Mixed reviews on yeah. Victoria. My top of my list is, is it like uh, uh, Winnipeg is definitely on my list. Yeah, for, yeah. Like for big ones. Yeah. Uh, Edmonton still scares the shit out of me. Okay. Like, yeah. Like, even though I've done Edmonton, it yeah. scares the shit out of me. Right. Just because it's so big. Yeah. Um, but I also hear that Edmonton, it's like the city stops. Like it is fringe. Edmonton like, and Winnipeg are the same in that respect. Right. The fringe is like the the event. Which is fantastic. Like yeah. in, in Toronto, if you say to somebody, oh, I'm doing a show on the Fringe, and they're not from in the theater, well, they're like, what's Fringe? I know. In Winnipeg so much... Edmonton, if you say you're doing the Fringe, they're like, oh, what's your show? Oh, yeah. See, I love. I just love that everyone's on board. Like, that's yeah. what excites me about yeah. it. Um, yeah. And I'd love for Toronto to be that way, too. I think there's just too much competition there's with stuff going, going on. on. There's a lot going on. Winnipeg and Edmonton, they both have this long history mm-hmm. of the Fringe and becoming like a big thing and they didn't start big things they sort of yeah. grew yeah Toronto has a lot of of other stuff going on it's hard especially in the imagine, summer yeah it's hard to imagine something like becoming as big as it is in Edmonton yeah or Winnipeg similarly Montreal has a similar issue where yeah. um the Montreal French is quite small in comparison to other festivals that yeah. go on Partially because on one side is the French, the French music festival, and on the mm. other side is the jazz festival. Right. And Which so is, yeah. you're sandwiched in between these two massive festivals. It's hard yeah. to be a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you if you envision like what happens next with this show, yeah, like where you want it to go, what what is what is your path for uh, uh, this show to take? Great question. Well, we're going to get picked up by Marbish, and then um, Soul Pepper's going to tour us. Um, I think Fringe is going to be a really great experiment. I I need to, I want to figure out how a general audience reacts to it. I suspect I'll do some rewriting probably after that. Um, but uh, I would like to tour to different Fringes. We're going to apply for Next Stage. Uh which uh, we'll see what happens there, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I uh, I also have some other show ideas with this character. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know reworking the show after our fringe run and then trying a new idea with, yeah. with a new show. Maybe um, it's going to be a lot of wait and see, just mm-hmm. to see what happens after July for us. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you on uh, on the social media? Do you have a website? I am on the social media. I don't have a website. Okay. What are you uh, I'm not official media? yet. Um, well, my social media. On Twitter, I'm just Janelle M. Hannah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the same on Instagram, I mm-hmm. think, too. But uh, for the French specifically, we're a co-pro between Flat Earth Global and Lark and Whimsy. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for our show, Bad Baby Presents, Rules Control to Find, you can go to Lark and Whimsy uh, Facebook page or mm-hmm. their Twitter as well, cool. um, which is where you'll find most of our stuff. Did you recently discover Snapchat? Because I've been seeing yes. some, some stuff, which is, it looks like you, you, you've been a little confused and, mm-hmm. and, and just having some fun experimenting with stuff. Yes. I, what, what made you want to, like, what made you try Snapchat? That's a great question. Well, I kept getting all these people being like, add me on Snapchat, add me on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what is happening? And then I saw some people with funny videos. I'm like, again, I don't know what this thing is. So I got it. And then it's just been, I still don't really know what a snap 
Snapchat story <laughs> is. Like, I don't. I think I had one the other day, but then I see people, like, add to their stories, and I don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but those filters are just so fun. Yeah. Except when they take away the ones I love. No, I know. And that's, it's like... It's like- I think you should be able to favorite the Snapchat filter yes. so that it, like, stays for you. Yes. They're always, like, taking some away. You know they're going to charge for stuff like that. That's a great idea. And I feel like maybe one day they'll be like, oh, if you want the cat. If you, if you pay for the premium, you can have, you can favorite yes. filters. Yes. Yeah, yes. I also, with it, like... I've also thought about, uh, like, Instagram today in terms of they have, like, Live Mm -hmm. and Facebook Live, which is so... I don't know how any of that works. Well, I mean, Facebook and Instagram are... Facebook owns Instagram. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. So that's why why all of a sudden, like, Instagram has Live because Facebook Uh... has Live. Instagram has has stories to combat, uh, to fight against Snapchat stories. And now Facebook has, like, Facebook stories. Yeah. It's like... All of this stuff. It's a lot. And I'm confused mostly by it. Yes. But But one should only do what one, like, really understands. Yes. But, I mean, like, play with stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, and people are, are, shouldn't be encouraging me. But people are like, you I love those Snapchat videos. So then you know I just want to make more. But it's also like, don't encourage us. Is there a particular reason why people, you think people are encouraging you or that they shouldn't encourage you? I think if those are the same thing. I think people um, see them and they're like, "Oh yeah, I did the exact same thing, but I'm never gonna post that. I can't believe, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe Janelle is posting these things. Because like I don't like it's my I'm not re-recording these things, mm-hmm. which maybe no. everyone's like, yeah, Janelle, we know that. Um, but yeah, so I think it's just people are like, yeah, I did the same thing, but then I like posted a better one. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank for you so today. much for talking with me.